biggest thing for me moving through all of that was having support. I have like three different coaches and mentors, plus I have a whole bunch of friends in different parts of the world, Alexi being one of them, who would check in on me yeah. every Saturday. How are you? What do you need? Like having people, because they knew what I was moving through and how difficult that time of my life was. And so having the support, having people who would constantly help me sit in the question with myself. They weren't people who were like, oh, he's a dick, you should get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have people like, you know, being that way with me. The people I had support me were people who were like, okay, what's showing up for you? Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spent every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now, I'm just about to go and jump in a cold shower. Just been for a two-mile run. I'm all sweaty and icky and feel good, though. Going to go and have some grub, be a family man. Um, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. Today... Your guest, and an amazing guest she is, is Amy Louise Cash. Amy Louise guides women all over the world to rediscover their worth, unlock their truth, and step into the most intentional version of themselves so that they, so that the world can experience her unique medicine and the unique medicine that they are. She is a thought leader and a transformational relationship coach, the host, stroke founder of the Wake Up Sisterhood podcast, and a woman who is one with the medicine of the earth. The work she does with women is nothing she hasn't moved through herself, keeping her in a place of pure integrity. As an expert in these areas, she works with the women who are at any stage of their life that are lacking the tools and resources to be in relationship, including the one with ourselves, and to do that powerfully. She specializes in trauma healing and somatic therapy, and not only is the work she does specifically for women, throughout her work, she is a huge stand for men and women learning how to understand men. The reason I got Amy Louise Cash on here is I wanted I wanted women to hear another woman talk about the pain and the suffering and the healing of going through a separation. Having gone through a divorce myself and contemplated nearly going through a second divorce, I can tell you that it is one of the most complicated and challenging things, particularly when you have kids, right? The most challenging things to consider ending a relationship for a variety of different reasons, revolving around shame, societal conditioning, the children themselves, guilt, sunk costs, like even like shady, horrible shadow reasons, like not wanting your partner to be with someone else. It is one of the most difficult and one of the most challenging experiences ever, okay? But, and this is really important, we do have within us the power to go through that and to come out the other side as a completely different person and to allow ourselves to move forward and live a life of light and love and allow the partner who we was in a toxic relationship with to go and do the same thing. I think it was Don Miguel Ruiz said that one of the greatest forms of respect you can do is just end a relationship with somebody who you're not really respecting in the relationship. It's difficult, it's tough, it's hard. And I know a lot of you listening to this are contemplating it. A lot of you are listening to this thinking, oh my God, how, why am I in a relationship with this person? Listen to Amy Louise Cash. She will really, really, really help you um, if you're a woman struggling in this area. And if you're a man, listen to it as well, okay? Uh, because you'll, you'll be able to feel what it's like from the other person's perspective, from the woman in your relationship's perspective. How are they feeling? What are they going through because of our actions? 
really important pieces when it, as it relates to all forms of addiction, relationships and communication, absolute key. So without further ado, I'll leave you in the capable hands of Amy Louise Cash. This meeting is being recorded. What a horrible way to always have to start a Zoom thing these days, right? I know, it's crazy. I need to sort this out. Wait there a minute. I need to get my grounding mat sorted. Okay. If I don't have my grounding mat, yeah, I cannot be zen-like in my, uh, <laughs> my phone. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Wow, well, it's been a big day of emotion, you know, like big yeah. day of emotion. Got my little money tree next to me here. Can you see that? Nice. Looks like I'm in the jungle. Big day of emotion, nice. but a big day of growth. Beautiful. Big day of growth, yeah. So um, really, really good. And got you on the show because I know you do fantastic work with women out there. And so this episode, whilst it's going to be tailored a lot to the women, men, please listen to it. Don't turn off because you'll learn so much about this as well. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I see a lot in my community is – so almost like I like I call it the sunk cost fallacy, but I know it's more complicated than that, right? It's like someone's in a relationship, a woman's in a relationship with a man. They realize that the man is like completely not showing up, sometimes like not even capable of doing it. Um, and there's this kind of like, okay, if I get my head down and I do the work on myself, then I'm hoping that eventually he'll come along for the ride, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, there comes a time where it's like, okay, this is not going to work. And then there becomes the eventual split. And what I wanted to talk to you about, because I know you've been through that process, is Mm -hmm. starting with when do we recognize that our relationship is falling apart? What are the signs? What do we then do to try to solve that? Do we need to do it? Do we just do it ourselves or do we need to be connected? You know, that old kind of like question of you just have to work on yourself. Um, how How do you split in a conscious way and then how do you live going beyond that? So that's like where I, what I wanted to cover. Not a lot, just a little bit. That's great. I love it. Anything to do with relationship, I love. Good, good. Um, so let's let's start. When did you start to realize? When did the wheel start to come off your previous relationship? Pretty fast. <laughs> right. So just to give a little bit of background for those listening in. Um, I got married at the beginning of 2020. So January 2020, I got married. In September 2020, we separated. Um, however, the relationship started breaking down probably around April, May. Um, and, I mean, it was for for our marriage, it was a different kind of situation We got married five months after we met because I got deported from the States Um, and because I got deported, then we wanted to be together. So then he flew across the world to be with me, which I'm super grateful for because it's something that I never thought somebody would do for me. I was like, whoa, this guy's flown all this way. And so he flew over here, then um, couldn't work when he first got here because of visa situations. Um, And then... From my experience of what I witnessed, I believe he fell into a depression and then COVID happened and then, you know, COVID affects people in different ways. 
Um, and depending on how regulated you are within yourself and how much work you've done is what you can hold and what you can be with in your life. And so mm. COVID affected him in quite a big way. And then because he wasn't working and I was, you know, the one making the money and, you know, a lot of things like that can be emasculating for a man. Many different things happened and our relationship began to, to break down. And um, I would say, what was the question? When did I first start realising that it was breaking down? Yeah, what would you say? I mean, before you get to that, actually, there's something else I want to ask you that you just spoke of because I'm, I'm not sure everybody in the audience will kind of like grasp it. Can you just touch a little bit deeper on, you said not everybody can self-regulate and can hold that, like that, uh, you didn't say hold what, but hold that emotion, hold that energy, hold the turmoil and the chaos. Can you just speak into that a little bit more? Yeah, so actually a big part of the work I do with women is helping them build a bigger emotional body so that they can be with more in their life. And so what that means is, and, you know, you understand this because you're working through this too at the moment. And mm. we're in life we have a capacity. And so within our body we have an emotional capacity. And so when we go through heartache or pain or suffering or difficult situations in our life, if we haven't done work on ourselves and we're not in the process of, bettering ourselves and really facing off with our past traumas and really going to the depths of our being, we won't build a bigger emotional body versus if we are going in and doing this work and, you know, this is what you do, this is what I do, this is what we do with our clients, if we are actually helping people to understand themselves and face off with their past traumas, they're actually creating space within their body to hold more of what they want in life. But with a big life comes big challenges. So if you want a big life, you have to be open to these big challenges coming. And the key here is to do as much work as you can within yourself so that you can build your own capacity. So you build an emotional body to hold what you say you want in your life. So for example, before I got married to my husband, I was six years or five years in the doing the inner work, working on myself, healing my traumas. I had, a, I had a capacity, I had an emotional body that I could work with. However, now, two years later, nearly two years later, um, my emotional capacity is so much bigger based on the work that I've done since then and the, mm. the experiences I've been through that have actually helped me build that emotional body. And so now in my life, and I literally just got off a call before where I was saying to um, a really close friend of mine, how now I'm in a new relationship and it's a, such a new experience for me and I'm actually like questioning it a little because I'm so regulated and I've never been this regulated in a relationship in my life. Mm. And so now I'm in this relationship with this person and it's beautiful and it's balanced and I'm very regulated where I'm not in my fight or flight or I'm not constantly questioning or I'm not like, does he like me or am I good enough or I'm not going through all of this turmoil within myself that I have in every other relationship. Mm. I'm actually regulated. I'm not in my reptilian brain. I'm not trying to survive constantly. And so now I'm like, whoa, I've never had this before. This is new. 
is this normal? Mm. But it's just because I've never been regulated in my life. And so I'm having an experience in a relationship that I've never had before. And that comes from doing so much work on myself, healing my traumas, constantly leaning into healing my traumas. Mm. And also on top of that, thank you to my marriage. That was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life because that was the thing that helped me like become initiated into womanhood and build the emotional body that I needed to build. Yeah, thank you for that. There's so much so much um, that you said there that is really valuable to, for people listening, you know. Um, one aspect of it is every experience, whether it's a wonderfully joyful experience or a really painful experience, has mm-hmm. some lesson embedded in there if only we were to look for it, right? And, Absolutely and to necessary. engage ourselves into that way of thinking and that way of growth mentality is really powerful. Um, in terms of like growing that emotional body. I'll give you an example. I always pick on my parents. Good job, my parents never listen to this podcast. But if you just pick on my parents for a, for a second. So um, my dad um, doesn't have the emotional capacity to show up um, for my mom. So he will he will not be able to, to provide her with what she needs. She will moan and groan about it, but then she'll just switch the telly on and watch the telly or do a crossword, and then she'll wake up the next morning and do the same thing. And then over a span of 40 years, that's what she does. That's the opposite of growing your emotional body. So, like, what she could do is instead of picking up the crossword book, is actually pick up a relationship book to try to understand why he's pissing her off so much and what she could do to alleviate that suffering. So is that kind of like a good example of yeah, what totally. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just being willing to lean in and do the work. And I'll just share this. You know, what I'm sharing is all from my personal experience of what I went through in my marriage. He has his personal experience and it could be completely different to mine, but I'm speaking from my own experience here and what I witnessed and what I felt and what I moved through. Mm-hmm. And so in my marriage, I constantly lent in. I like. Firstly, I'm a relationship coach. I love relationship. Yes, I'm a relationship coach, but by no means have I mastered relationship. I will constantly be working on learning to be in relationship for every day for the rest of my life, just like everyone else. And I always say, whenever I do a video, I always say, tell people who I am and that I'm a human being firstly having a human experience and I'm moving through life, learning through trial and error. Mm. that's what I'm doing and that's what we're all doing in life you know and there's no right or wrong way of going through a divorce there's no right or wrong way of going through a separation everybody's process will be unique to themselves and what Mm. is what they're moving through what they need in their life what their growth journey is because I really believe that our souls know what spiritual growth we need so our souls attract the perfect person for our spiritual growth at that time in our life. I look at my marriage and sometimes I'm, I sometimes still have moments because I'm still healing through what I went through. I look back and I'm like, I wish I could control or delete that from my life. Like I have those victim moments where I'm just like, oh, why did I have to go through that? And then I come back to, but I did because that was my initiation into womanhood. Yes, and thank you, life, for putting that in my space 
because that was the thing that actually has had me grown into the woman I am today. And that is the thing that has been the biggest up level in my life. I feel like it's helped me heal my anxious attachment. What a gift, you know, even though it was painful, it's helped me become for myself what I yearned for in men my whole life from my relationship with my dad. Constant, I was a woman constantly yearning for love, want, needing a man to come into my life to keep me safe, to love me, to hold me, to support me because I wasn't being any of that for me. Mm-hmm. Even after years of doing this work, I was mm-hmm. like, when am I going to meet somebody? When am I going to be the person that falls in love? Mm. And then God was like, here you go. Here you go, here he is. Literally a mirror of what I was. Mm. So I attracted a man who was yearning for love from a woman. Yeah, yeah. I, I got what I was. I like that. It, um, it reminds me of this uh, a book called Busting Loose from the Money Game. I think it's Robert Snyder. Um, and uh, he's, uh, his paradigm, like, freaks me out a little bit. So his paradigm is um, nobody nobody exists, like, just your consciousness. So you don't exist. Like, I created you, and I scripted it so you would turn up today, and I've actually told you what to say to me um, because that is the reality that I'm creating. Now, whilst that freaks me out and I struggle to – completely dive into that paradigm what i like about it which i think is a real growth element which echoes what you just said is okay let's say i fight with liza my wife Mm -hmm. i can then say to myself why did i script that why why did i cast this woman in this role and give her that script and tell her to say those things to me why what is it that i wanted to learn from her in this moment versus what a bitch. I can't believe she's fucking doing that, right? Which happens as well, but in the, in the totally. moment, the, the greater you increase your emotional body, I think yeah. the quicker you can repair your ruptures versus either never repairing them or taking so long to repair them, right? Absolutely, because a part of repairing the emotional body is building awareness. And awareness is the most powerful thing we can have because then awareness creates choice. And so in that moment when there's conflict in a relationship, of course we all have that moment where we're like, oh, fuck them, like they did that thing to us and, oh, it's them. Mm -hmm. We all do that. Like we all go straight into blame firstly. But then when we have the awareness, we can go, okay, hang on a sec. What is this here for me for? Like what is this teaching me? How did I create that? Hmm. Okay, let me get a little curious about what I did that could have been the trigger for all of this happening. Mm. And I think that's the most beautiful thing we can do is constantly come back to ourselves and sit in the question. And if I bring it back to my marriage again, as my marriage was, I was going through, I was living in a house with him, but I was being ignored for like nine days at a time or I was living with a husband that was, sleeping in the lounge room and not in a bed with me. So we were living in separate parts of the house. And some days I would say, I would say hello every day. Cause for me, cause I've, I'm so deep in this work. I was using that time to see how I could be a better person. Mm. I was like, okay, normally if this, if he was ignoring me for this long, I would do this thing. Yeah. And in the beginning when, when he would ignore me for days on end, 
instantly I'd be like, oh, he doesn't want me here. Oh, I'll go to my mum's. And so I did that a couple of times, but then I was like, no, but that's me flying, like flight, flight, flight. That's me yeah. running away because that's my default. Okay, I'm doing that. So next time if he ignores me, I'm going to stay in the house no matter how many days it is. And so then it would happen again for days. I would stay in that house so uncomfortable because I just wanted to run away. But I was like, no, do something different. So I had the awareness that then I could choose what do I want to do in this moment. And for me, it was constantly leaning in and asking myself, what can I do? How can I, like, show up differently? How can I move differently in this house, in this relationship and see what that creates for us? And I, I did that for months from like April to September. I did that. Mm. And I really, something I say to my clients is if you're in a marriage or if you're in a relationship and you've been there for a long time and you're thinking of leaving, before you leave, go in 110%. Like make a commitment to yourself, just to yourself. Like, okay, give yourself a time frame for the next three months for the next month, for the next year, whatever you choose, give yourself a time frame. say three months. For the next three months, I'm going all in. And what that means, and I did this with my husband, but with myself, I didn't say it. I just chose this for myself. For the next however many months, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to, in, in the moments where we have a fight and normally I will use my words to protect myself, I'm going to be silent because silence is powerful too and I don't need to use my words to prove myself. That's a pattern that I'm trying to break. Mm. Okay, great. I'm going to, for the next three months, I'm going to sit in my silence in the moments where I normally would react. For the next three months, I'm going to walk out of this bedroom and I'm going to say good morning to him and I'm going to ask him if he would like breakfast. For the next three months, even if he ignores me, For the next three months, I am going to show up in the way that I would like him to show up for me. Even when I'm freaking hating on him and I'm so angry and I just want to like scream, I'm just going to go 100% in. Of course, if we make that commitment to ourselves, we're going to revert at times. We're human. We're going to have moments where we're like, why am I bothering with this person? Like they're not changing at all. It's me doing all the work. Like we have these moments. But if you can make a commitment to go all in and shift our own internal ways just for a time frame, you don't know what that can create. It can actually shift things in another person because you're you're leading the way. And it may not too. And if it doesn't at the end of three months, then you have a decision to make with yourself. I like like the, um, the time almost like the goal-orientated time element of it because, you know, I started out by saying people get stuck in this sunk cost fallacy. They look at their relationship and think, oh, I put so much time and effort in. i got all this stuff in the house. I've got kids. I've got dogs. I've got cars. And then they get bogged down in that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a, a good – and oh, I, I hope that things will get better, but there's no definitive end to it. And our community is called Strive. You know, we call ourselves strivers. And there's uh, one of our beautiful strivers when she stopped drinking and her husband didn't. And she could realize that actually this relationship is not serving me in the way that I wanted to. She said to herself, I'm going to give this man, I think it was like two years or something. 
It was a long time. I'm going to give this man two years. I'm going to get on with my life, but I'm going to give him two years to prove himself to me that he can show up. But I'm not going to ask him or tell him what to do. And in those two years, he stops drinking. He does. Every, he, he, he then starts to come out of it. If shell, he's not hiding anymore. She falls in love with him. Job done. And she's like, I'm so grateful that I gave myself that time limit. If he hadn't changed up to that point, she would have had a really difficult decision to make. But it's not a never-ending story, right? And I think that's, like, really important. Um, yeah, and also lead by example. Like, show up in your life the way you choose to show up. And, you know, and I, again, through my marriage, I was very conscious of not trying to coach my husband because yeah. that can be a thing with coaches where we can want to do that a lot. And I didn't do that with my husband. I was just like, no, I'm not the person. Um, and I wouldn't be like, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. There was a couple of times where it got like to like the last straw and I was just like the only way I see us moving forward is if we bring a third party in and have a third party help us because mm. I don't know what to do anymore. I've, tr I've tried everything I can. I've tried to shift so many ways within myself and I'm still like don't know what to do. And it's so not, I need I need anything. to help. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I and asking for help is really important as well, right? Really. And so, you know, coming to like the place of like actual separation, for me it, it was, I mean, I, I love lovely and so I will do anything I can. I will leave no stone unturned to see if it's the thing. Mm. Like I really will do everything I can and actually at the cost of my own life it came mm. to. Mm. And so for me, I teach women how to become very clear on their standards and boundaries in relationship. I teach women how to understand men. I, I'm also a stand for men within the work I'm doing because I'm helping women understand men so that they can be in relationship with men powerfully. Mm. However, what I saw in myself as my marriage was breaking down is that I'm very clear on my standards and boundaries and I would express what my, my boundaries were, yet I allowed a person to walk over my boundaries for months and months and months. So I was, you know, not a stand for my own boundaries. I was allowing someone to walk over my boundaries for a very long time and I had to mm. get real with myself and be like, hey, I've expressed these. He said, yes, I, I'm going to meet you there. But now we're four months down the track and he has not honoured one of my boundaries once. Right, right. So then I had to get real with myself and I ended up having a health scare where it was a pretty intense health scare. So I had a conversation with him and I just said, um, I've had a health scare and my health is more important than trying to force any relationship." And the only way I see you and I'm moving forward now is if you go away and do some healing on yourself and you come back and see me. Yeah. And I said, you've made it very clear to me that that's not something that you want to do. And I said, I, that's what I'm most committed to in this life. I am committed to healing myself, for myself, for my future children and for my family. And if you're not willing to meet me there, then there's no way we can move forward. Yeah, I love you. And I accept you, but I don't accept the behaviours you choose in my life. Mm. So yeah. that's that's the end of the road. That's you 
coming back full circle and setting your boundary again. Totally. And then I had to be a, I had to be a stand for myself and I had to mm. honour my own boundary, mm. which that's the hardest part because when we're in a relationship with somebody, we love them. And, you know, for me, I'm so empathetic that I, and I understand trauma so deeply that I know that everything, how, how people behave is not, it's, it's not just the choosing to behave like that. It's based on a trauma. Mm. So it's deep. And so I have compassion for that. Yet sometimes I have a little too much compassion that it's it can bite me in the foot. <laughs> yeah, but you're aware you're aware of that, and you did something about it, which is if it's really important. And if you're if and that's because of the work you're doing and growing this, you know, greater window of tolerance and uh, embodiment. And and I just want to speak into that because I think it's really important. You know, this like yeah, a, a lot of people. Well, so look, the memory phrase is the culture that I grew up in. If you wanted to fix your marriage, the man and the woman went and sort of marriage counselor or therapist, and then she tried to kind of like bang your heads together. Um, and then in more and more literature that I read today, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to see your wife. Um, let me just fix you, and then everything will be okay, type of thing. Um, that ties into something you were speaking about that I want to just comment from a man's perspective is when you're doing your work. I say me and you in a relationship and you're doing your work and you're continuing to do your work. And maybe I'm not doing my work, but you're continuing to do your work. The fact that I, because you're doing your work, this dinosaur imbecile here is still going to behave in his dinosaur imbecile ways, but you're not going to react and be triggered like you used to be because you're no longer a little girl. You are actually a fully embodied woman. And because you are not, your little girl's not being triggered my little boy is actually being heard by this ever-maturing totally. woman and it makes it really difficult for me to get angry now because I'm, I actually am getting what I didn't get when I was a child, which is you're actually listening to me and you're not telling me what to do. You just allow me to shout and scream or do whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's just like my behavior just will automatically change to a certain degree. Okay. That, that's That's what happened to me. And Vice versa, I find that um, if Liza's in a funk with me and in a little child, but my um, I'm in my mature masculine and not in my boy energy, then she feels really heard and held, and that's all that matters. Yep, totally. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. So that's there you the are. For, the, for those of you that are thinking, can I do this myself, to a certain degree – that's what you've got to focus on really is like, what can I do? Can I go all in? Where are my boundaries around this? Let's get and do the work and then keep checking in to see over the fence to see if he's doing anything to, you know, keep his side of the net of the relationship up to scratch. And where's he going with it and just observing it. Yeah, um, and I, I think like another just really important piece is really being clear on your values mm. in your life. Like what are your values in relationship and does the person you're in relationship with share the same values as you? Because if they do, great. For me, what I realised was when I went into a relationship with my husband, he told me he shared the same values as me, but now when I look back, 
he was just telling me what I wanted to hear. Yeah. We didn't share the same values. Yeah. And yeah. that's where now I feel like my red flag radar has like, it's really like I have a really good red flag radar mm-hmm. where you can tell if somebody's like just telling you what you want to hear or if it's actually, if you actually just watch somebody for a couple of months and how they live their life, you will see what their values are. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I was just took his word for it. Like, yes, we've got the same values. Whereas now I'm having a relationship with a man who we actually do share the same values and I can see that by how he lives his life. You can feel the difference. I mean, listening to you, like when you say about I'm going to stay in this relationship for three months and I'm going to be, in, I'm going to have dignity and humility and I'm going to keep showing up for this guy no matter what. Do you know what I kept thinking to myself is, holy shit, right? She she grabbed any kind of resemblance or codependency she may have and she snapped that motherfucker in half, right? But that's how it feels to me listening to you. It's like any sign of codependence that you ever had was completely kind of vacuumed and, and eradicated because you were just like, no. Like for me, for example, like just being able to just sit in silence, like if, if we've got any kind of like inkling of codependency, just sitting in silence is like beating that down, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that kind of like resonates with you at all. Yo, people, 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 just a brief interlude, a brief interruption to say, this is hard work. You're listening to me and Amy Louise Cash talk about separation. It is difficult, very, very difficult to get through um, the turmoils of a relationship, right? Don't have to do it yourself. You can be guided by experts in this area. You can be guided by people who have been through what you're going through. Myself, Lee Davey, Amy Louise Cash, we've been through separation. We are tip-top coaches, and if you need help and guidance going through that, we are both here to help you. Email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com if you want to hire me or Amy Louise Cash to help you reach the untapped power that will take you to the next level. Now back to the conversation at hand. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a forced situation. <laughs> it's like, mm. oh, I didn't be like, yeah, I'm going to work on my codependence. It was just no, like, no, yeah, it just, let me yeah, put it this happened. in front of you and you, like, you're forced to mm. meet yourself in ways you never have. And the biggest, like, the biggest thing for me moving through all of that was having support. Like, having, I have, like, three different coaches and mentors Plus I have a whole bunch of friends in different parts of the world, Alexi being one of them, Mm. who would check in on me every second day. How are you? What do you need? Like having people, because they knew what I was moving through and how difficult that time of my life was. And so having the support, having people who would constantly help me sit in the question with myself. They weren't people who were like, oh, he's a dick, you should get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have people, like, you know, being that way with me. The, the people I had support me were people who were like, okay, what's showing up for you? What are you learning about you? Like I had people helping me learn and grow through the process, and that's vital. Um Massive, what's coming up for me there is so relatable to alcohol, folks. You just listen listen to this a second about what Amy's saying. Earlier on, Amy said, sometimes I slipped into thinking like a victim, right? Yeah. Like, like you said that. 
Now, there's a big difference between victim and victim consciousness, which we'll go into in a minute. I'll, I'll ask you to explain that to the folks. Um, if you were in victim consciousness while you're in a relationship with um, your husband, it is unlikely that you are actually going to attract the very people you need to support you out of it because they're not going to be attracted to victim consciousness. So in doing the, a big part of the work is how can I, how can I attract the right people that I need in my life in order for me to get the support that I need in this? Right. So when you said uh, you don't have friends, you turn up, yeah, let me diss that guy. What a dick. Right. Immediately. What I thought about was, um, boy energy, girl energy, um, stuck in the matrix energy, non-growth orientated energy, um, really kind of codependent. I, I'm going to tell you what I think you need to hear rather than get curious and to kind of be there for you. And if you're drinking and you're, and you're going to the pub every day and your, your conversations with your friends are surface level and you're not going deep and you don't really feel like a true self versus true self relationship. It's like a false self, false self relationship. When you're in the shit, you're going to look around you and there's going to be nobody to help you out. There's going to be nobody to support you because you haven't built that strong foundation because you really don't know who the hell you are. So you haven't surrounded yourself with the right people. And not all revolves around victim, victim consciousness. So I think, so could you explain to people the difference between being a victim and victim consciousness and anything else? That yeah, I guess I, I would probably, I don't really go into like the victim, victim consciousness place, but I'll explain it in my own way. Mm. So the thing is the people who are going to be the most supportive for you, whether you're moving through like coming out of like alcohol addiction or a, a relationship with a sucky person or whatever it is, the ones who are going to support you the most are most likely the ones you don't want to listen to in that moment because they're going to be the ones that that are like, you know, do you want me to just listen or would you like me to reflect back what I see? Like this is what my friends and my coaches would do with me and it's what I do with my friends and my with my clients. Mm. My clients, I'm the last one they want to hear from when they're in their victim because I have, and my friends too, like, for example, one of my friends last weekend, oh, my husband and I are having problems, you know, he's just lazy, blah, 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 da, 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 going on to me. And, I, and what she wanted to hear from me in that moment was, yeah, oh, my God, you should leave him. You know, yeah, he's lazy, like, blah, blah, blah. But no, because I'm a stand for men too and I'm a stand for all humans. And I said to her, I was like, you know, the thing that irritates you about him is the thing that you have to learn in your life. He's actually your teacher right now and how beautiful that he is so good with being content with where his life's at. He doesn't need to go out and find the next best thing. He's literally so content with his family, his children, his wife. And he loves his career and he's just really good. How beautiful. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, Amy, you're killing me right now. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Because that's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted to hear, yeah, go and leave him. It's like somebody who's drinking and, you know, wants to give up alcohol. Oh, 
They want to hear, it's okay, just go have one more night out. Another night out's not going to hurt you. That's fine. Come on, just go do that. That's not support. Mm. That's the opposite of support. The people you want around you are the ones that you're like, fuck, that's not what I wanted to hear because they're the people who care so much about you. Mm. It's like, you know, I've in a situation in my marriage where I expressed to my partner's family some of his behaviours that were addictive and I didn't do that to, like, be the enemy and be a bitch and call him out. I did that because I didn't know how to support him anymore and I needed help supporting him. Yeah. And I said, and he was like, how dare you do that? Like, you just, you know, you just treated me like I'm your enemy. I said, no, I didn't. I, I love you. And that's love. Me sharing that with these people is love because I love you and I care enough about your life that I want you to have help. Mm. And so we can be victims and we can, uh, we can have friends in our life that can continue validating our story of why we should be drinking or why we should break up with this person or we can have people in our life who are like, hey, have you thought about this within yourself? Or, you know, they have you come back to me. Like what am I doing that's creating this in my life? What am I doing that's continuing this same pattern over and over? Where can I shift and change within myself? And that's doing the work and that's building a bigger emotional body and that's building the capacity to hold more in your life and shift into the person you actually want to be. Mm -hmm. It's like a wonderful blend of curiosity. um, Curiosity is the most vital thing that we can have in life. Mm. Get curious about ourselves always and everything in life. And, you know, the one thing, as my marriage is breaking down, because, I mean, I don't know about you, Lee, but something that I've been working on in my life is reacting, especially in relation. This new one is totally different because I'm working on it, but in my marriage I would I was so reactive and I felt like I needed to prove myself a lot. Mm. And towards the end of my marriage, because I was working on this, if he would, because he would trigger me on purpose, like he would, t- he would push my buttons to get a reaction. So towards the end, my, my response was interesting. That was it. That's all I, within myself, I made a boundary that that's all I could say when I was triggered. Interesting. And then I would walk away and I'd go into my room and I'd be like, <laughs> it's behind the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, that. That uh, that book that I told you about, Busting Loose Money Game, he he the book is actually it's like a it's basically um, he's obviously doing a speech like a real speech and and they've recorded they've recorded and done the transcript. So no, actually this is a different guy. It's a money book. I think I got it here somewhere. It was a I money love book. It. it was a money guide that someone gave me, and it was a transcript of him teaching people about money mindset. And every time somebody expressed an opinion or challenged him, he just said, what an interesting point of view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that would trigger the shit out of me. But if you could consistently say, what an interesting point of view, yeah. 
Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what you're saying. You're not being defensive. You're allowing the person to have their view. And this this guy was saying that all that exists in the world is is very often it's no truth. Other than uh, you know. Paris is the capital of France kind of truths. Outside of that, in the ambiguity that we play and we dance in relationships, there is no truth. There's just mm. stories. There's just points of view, right? Yeah. And to be able to say, oh, what an interesting point of view and get into that, then you're going to be less reactive. But, I mean, for me, reactivity, the more and more I do the work, the less and two things happen. One, the less and less reactive I become. And the more capable I am to not become triggered, which is really important in my relationship. Uh, and two, I'm quicker to repair a rupture. But I guess for people listening, when you talk about uh, doing the work and building a, a, a stronger and more beautiful emotional body, what are some of the things that you did? What are the most, I mean, you could reel off a, a load of them, but what are the really key areas that you were like, wow, this made such a fundamental difference in my life in terms of doing the work? Um, I mean, just doing personal growth, like doing courses, working with a coach. I, I mean, I started working with a coach six years ago. I still have the same coach plus two more. And that for me was the biggest gift is like having support and help having people help you see what you can't see yourself because we can't see a lot of the ways that we show up and be ourselves because we're us. Mm. Other people can reflect back to us how we're showing up and what's effective and what's ineffective. So for me, really, that's that was the biggest key is like doing the work, being willing, like we all can do the work. It's a choice. What was it that the coach got you to see that you couldn't see before? Not necessarily, oh, I'm behaving in this way, but, you know, like, Right at the moment, as you know, I'm in like Elementum as a, as a coaching program. And the, like a big light bulb for me is like, holy shit, like I, I've spent 45 years in my head, for example. Yeah. And, then, and then when I try to communicate that to my community and I'm like, not like I, I am learning to get more into my body, I have to be really careful about how I explain that because, it, it, because people don't understand what I'm talking about. They actually have a different perception of what mind body is. But that's an example for me is like just feeling, oh, my back, I have a bad back because I'm worrying about money, not because I'm carrying a rucksack around on my back or I sit in a chair all day. Like, so, so what was it that your coach really got you to, to, to do? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'll doing. just share with you quickly, like what was the awakening for me? Mm, yeah. Um, so actually it was with Preston and Alexi. So mm -hmm. Preston Stars and Alexi Penos, and they'd come to Australia to do their workshop, The Bridge Experience. So at the age of 16, I was raped by two men and I didn't speak about it from 16 to 31 years old. When I stepped foot in their room at 31 years old, I remember them saying, okay, now you're going to stand in this circle and you're going to everyone's going to be around you and you're going to share what you're hiding and most afraid to share. And I, in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not sharing that because I held so much shame around it and I was yeah. like made, I was riddled with stories and beliefs about myself based on the trauma. So then I made a story up in my head. Okay, I'm going to say I was bullied at school. I've made up this whole story in my head of what I was going to say. 
as I walked into the circle, there's 70 people. I didn't even get to the middle of the circle and I just broke down because the thing that I've been carrying on my back for all those years, the, the trauma of rape, I, I couldn't carry it anymore. It was like this safe place for me to just let go. Mm. So in that moment, Preston asked me to share my story word for word, literally what happened to me that day when that all happened. I was a virgin. It was a big story. So I stood there and I was bawling and, you know, you, you've, you're learning about somatics right now and all of this beautiful, amazing stuff that many people don't know about. And I was just like this curled over ball and I was just like didn't want to, I had no voice, like mm. I was just sobbing. He got me to express and, and speak this thing word for word. In that moment when I spoke it, I felt this big black demon come out of my body. Literally, this dark energy came out and it created space in my body. Mm. And I went away that day and I felt 50 times lighter. And I was like, oh, I had space in my throat. I had space in my belly. I was just like this new person. Mm. I went away and I, I sat in my hotel room that night and I was like, wow, I was vulnerable today. Whoa. I was vulnerable. Like I was so like couldn't believe how vulnerable I was. And I realised that being vulnerable set me free in my body. It actually created space in my body and set me free. Mm. I made a commitment that day that every single day for the rest of my life I would show up in my vulnerability. And to this day, like nearly seven years later, vulnerability could be my middle name. I have no problem sharing anything that anybody asks. I will share so openly on social media about anything because, and not saying everyone has to do that, but for me, I started doing that after that day because I knew that being vulnerable set me free in my body and I wanted to continue setting myself free in my body. And so that's how I started living my life. Months down the track, I started having, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have like 15 to 20 inbox messages on Messenger from people all over the world I did this to somebody. This happened to me. I've never told a person. And these people reaching out and asking for help. Mm. And Alexi was coaching me. And I said to her, I, at first I would help them. I'd be like, oh, this feels good. I'm helping people. But then I had a business of my own, which wasn't the business I have now. And I mm. had no space. I said to Alexi, could you, can I give them your website? Because I don't know. I can't do this. Like it's too much. Mm. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you have a gift and it's sitting in your lap and you just have to say yes. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you can do what I do. You're already doing it. Mm. And I said, you think I can be a coach? And she said, yes, you're already doing it. Just say yes. And so that day I was like, okay, I'm going to try this new thing out. Let me try and be a coach. <laughs> That's how my coaching career began. And obviously, like, it's expanded and evolved since then. Yeah. But for me, when you ask me, like, what's the thing? Being vulnerable. Like, being willing to just share the thing that you haven't shared with anybody with somebody you feel safe with. And the person you feel safe with could be your coach, could be a person you met an hour ago that you just feel like, oh, this person is... I feel like safe with them. You can share something. It could be your friend that you've had for 25 years. It could be your mother. 
just find the courage to to be vulnerable and let something out that's sitting in here, that's been sitting in here for a really long time, whatever it is. And the moment you start letting that out, you you create like a portal, like you create an opening for your healing to begin. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you very much for going there and talking about yeah. that. And I know that you've you've done it a lot, um, but I still appreciate it because it's not an easy thing to talk about. And, you know, for those of you listening, you know, you often hear people talk about big trauma, little trauma, little big T trauma, little T trauma. We just heard big T trauma there. Um, but vulnerability can show up in so many different aspects, can't it? You know, it's like from what you express to something that might seem so kind of like normal to one person, but for you, it's like a huge thing. And just getting into that practice every day um, is yeah. really helpful. And that's where coaching comes in really handy because what say, as long as you find a coach that you find is safe and you feel safe in the presence of that coach, what a beautiful environment to practice being vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I think also just prefacing here because I hear this a lot and I'm sure you do too, people say like, oh, but I haven't been through a big trauma. Like I haven't, I had a good upbringing. Like I didn't go through anything like that. And I just always love to preface that trauma can be you're in the playground when you're six and you're playing and then you fall over and your head hits the sand and three kids laugh at you. Mm. That's a trauma. Yeah. Trauma can be wetting the bed. Trauma can be like a breakup with uh, somebody you love. That's trauma. Mm. There's so many traumas, but we don't think of them as traumas because they're not rape. They're not car accidents. They're not losing a person in your life. But We've all been through traumas. Yeah, you know? and there's, there's that human element that I see in alcohol as well. You know, like we don't use the word alcoholic in our community because we think it's healthier to say we're, everybody's on an alcohol spectrum. Like we all drink alcohol or we don't. So if you don't, you're not on the spectrum. If you do, you're on the spectrum. Some just drink more than others, right? One of the things around the alcoholic is that shame almost that your story is not as horrific as this person's story. So you don't get reckoned. It's almost like you need to be stigmatized as a complete and like a fuck up in order for people to recognize you have a problem, which is toxic because that doesn't allow you to deal with your problem because you don't think it's powerful enough, which is the same type of thing. You know, and I just want to share like in the work that I've been doing in the Elementum coaching at 46 talking about things that happened in my life that I've always known that happened and I've always intellectually and rationalized that why they happened, poked around in why they happened, but always in my head. But now um, feeling those experiences rather than thinking about them. So when I moved from um, England to Wales when I was 10 and leaving all my friends behind, and being called a chink and a gook and an English wanker and all this type of stuff and feeling poor and different. I always knew that happened. Trauma. Yeah, I always knew that happened. Never identified it with trauma. I just identified it with, like, just a move. And then I'm, I learned was like, holy shit. A big reason that I ended up getting divorced and nearly lost my second wife is because of the, the boy who suffered that much pain and misery and bullying, never healing, mm. 
and still being with me up until my 40s, mm. me actually believing I'm a man when I was never a man. Like I was always that boy. And then dealing with that and going back there and doing the inner child work and the trauma work, like you say, that, um, that release of that darkness and that capacity, that space, for me anyway, that's when all of a sudden I'm not being as triggered as much. My little daughter screams, don't scare me as much. My wife trying to control me in the story that I have doesn't impact me as much, right? Because all of a sudden I, I have more capacity. It's almost like the trauma and the experiences is like a cup and it's just no more you can put in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just speaking on that, and I just want to share this because it relates to alcohol. So being raped like by these men creating all these beliefs and stories about myself from the age of 16, from about 21 to 28, 29, 30, I would go out and I would drink copious amounts of alcohol. I would take drugs to gain confidence in myself to then go and talk to a man with a plan of going home with that man, having sex with that man to feel loved because based on my trauma of being raped, I believed that men only wanted me for one thing and I was only good enough for one thing and I would never be loved. Yeah. And so I would use alcohol to gain confidence with a plan to go home. I've slept with so many men, I couldn't even tell you how many. Mm. And this is a story that many women have. Mm. Yet many women hold so much shame around and like think that they're like this bad person because that's what they've done. Yet, so like as I share my story, so many women are like, "Oh my god, that was me." I did the same thing. It's yeah. So many, like yeah, men and women, and so this all comes from trauma. So the moment you can start working with a coach, you can get support, you can start leaning in and facing off with these ways. Like me facing off with like speaking, what happened to me with my with being sexually assaulted. That was the unlocking gateway for me healing my relationship with alcohol too, yeah. you know, yeah. learning to, I went, I went, um, I stopped drinking alcohol for six months and it was hard because that was how I socialized. Yeah. It was hard. I had a grieving moment with alcohol, but I only did that for six months and it healed my relationship with alcohol. It mm -hmm. also healed how I related with men and that after that I did, I stopped this pattern of going home and sleeping with men to feel loved. Mm. Now I love to drink. Mm. I would have, I was drinking gin on the weekend mm. and it's, it's from a different intention now. And it's from a place of like, I know when I can stop. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, that's a really good point. Cause like most people who come to strive in 1000 days sober, they don't really want to stop drinking because they have such an intimate relationship with it and they have so many good, wonderful memories of it. And it's so enmeshed in their life that they, the, the Holy grail is, well, can I have a uh, conscious relationship with this? Uh, I call it a drug, right? But can we have this conscious relationship with this drug? Um, and I guess the answer is, well, it depends why we drink it. So if we can, if we can purely drink it for recreational purposes and we're okay with the consequences that sometimes come with that, I have an hangover or I smash my phone in or something happened or whatever, um, then that's pretty cool. But if you're drinking it as a compensatory strategy, 
to self-soothe and self-regulate because that's the only way you know how to um, or to kind of like self-sabotage that system. Numb and avoid pain. Numb and avoid, yeah. Then, then that is then, oh, hang on a minute, you know. So people come to me and they're like, uh, I'm just one of those people who could never do it, right? Like I'm one of those people, it's just in me, it's in my body, it's in my genes, I could never do it. I'm not so sure. Like this Stanton Peel in this industry, he often talks to people, I talks about people who are quite old, right, in their like 70s and 80s. And he's like, imagine you're thinking now, like, can I drink consciously? And, you know, if you didn't strive, you're probably like, no, I can't. But imagine if you're 80. <laughs> like, by the time you get to 80, your life is very different, right? Like, your relationships are different. You really probably don't care what people think because you're like 80. So this, this outside in game kind of diminishes a little bit. You don't really want to go partying hard. You don't really want to do all that kind of stuff. So now can the 80-year-old drink alcohol kind of like consciously? Yeah, most, most probably. It's very unusually and unlikely that they're going to use it as a compensatory strategy. So it's like, okay, well, do I have to be 80? No, you just need to get your shit together and then you can readdress it if you want to. The key with striving, our method is, though, by the time you go through the program, 62% of people one year after, they just don't even want to drink, right? They just don't want to, which is a very different thing. So for me, if someone says to me, Lee, could you drink consciously? Yeah, maybe, but I don't want to. Right, it's mm. my choice. And that, I think that's you're 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 saying that you choose to have this relationship with alcohol. I choose to have this relationship with alcohol. But there was a time when I don't think we were even making a choice. It, totally. it, it wasn't a choice, not a conscious choice. It was it was just happening until one minute it's like, fuck, really? That's why I'm drinking, and that's the key. It's just mm. Being curious, like, why am I drinking? Why am I sleeping with these people? Why am I smoking? Like, even, um, let's go there for a minute, but, like, even, like, um, in our um, tribes these days, right? It's like, uh, it's like hey, uh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, yeah, I've, I've got a plant medicine ceremony. Oh, another one? Right, you had one last month, right? So so then it becomes, okay, is a plant, is a plant medicine ceremony a plant medicine ceremony? Or are you just taking a drug to get out of life because it's better than life? What's the intention? What's the intention? And, and, and are there people around you who can reflect back and point out the blind spot if they think that you're not using it healthily? Like, it's massively important, I think, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think curiosity is key here. Like you said, they come to you and they're like, oh, I just, I don't see, I can't, I don't think I can give up alcohol or I don't think I could have this relationship. But what if you just started sitting in the question of like, what if I did have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Mm. And that was it. That's where mm. you began. Like just mm. sat. What if I could have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Mm. If you just start sitting in the question of it every day, like what if I could? You're actually sitting in the question with the universe and the universe is like, oh, you're open to something new. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you're like, oh, no, I just don't think I could ever do that. The universe is like, and so it is, Lee. You don't think you could ever do it, so we're going to have you in this relationship forever. Yeah. Versus what if what if I could maybe just change my relationship with alcohol? And maybe for the next three months you don't, but every day you're sitting in the question. Mm. What if I could? The universe is like, and so it is, Lee. Infinite possibility. Yeah, the, the worst thing is when you get into a state where you're like, no, I want to stop drinking forever. No, I want to moderate. No, I want to stop drinking forever. No, I want to moderate. Whenever that happens, and I see that in a community, it it 
it drives people to drink. It just, it, they don't solve the problem. It's just, look, right now, what do you want to do? Do you want to build a healthier relationship with alcohol or do you just want to stop? What is it do you want to do? Just pick a side and let's just focus on that, right? And it's like, yeah. but I want to, I want to try and build a healthy relationship with alcohol. Okay, let's go for it. That is the goal right now. And yeah. then we'll see where that leads. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was thinking as you were speaking before this came up for me, the way I live my life now is in the moment every day. And so instead of like giving myself, and I mean, when you're moving through like trying to shift a pattern, sometimes you have to have like a full commitment for so long. However, in my life right now, everything I'm doing is it, it depends on how I feel in the moment so every day. Today. Yeah, like, like you know, today I could be like, oh, today's Friday for me. Oh, well, tomorrow I'm going out for dinner with so-and-so. Yeah, I'll probably have like two wines. Yeah, I think mm. I'm going to have a couple of wines. And then tomorrow I could get to dinner and be like, no, I just don't really feel like having a wine. I'm just going to mm. have a water. Or like it's changes in every moment. So I could say today, oh, yeah, like I'm not going to give myself I'm not going to drink for one month because tomorrow I might, my body might be like, yeah, have one wine. Yeah. And then the yeah. next day I might be like, no, I don't want to drink anything today. And it's like, how can you be so connected to your body that your body's talking to you and your body's guiding? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for people listening, it. for people listening going, no, that's not what it's like for me. Amy's talking about about her experience, right? So you could come to Stride and you could choose to think that same way with curiosity. And then together as a group, we take a look at the results. So let's say you say to yourself, all right, I'm just going to go with the flow and see how it goes. And then today on Saturday, I feel like I want to drink. And then you drink. And then Sunday, you feel full of anguish because you drank. Okay, we need to take a look at that. But if you wake up on Sunday and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm quite okay that I didn't drink and I'm, I'm cool. Let's see how I am today. But if you're feeling regret over your decision to drink, then there's a real problem there somewhere. Totally. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Amy, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. How can people get hold of you and work with you and, and tell them a little bit about your program? I know you've got a program as well, haven't you? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Amy Louise Cash, just my name. I have a website. It's called it's www.withamylouisecash.com. And then um, I have a new program that's actually um, beginning in October and we're enrolling now for it. It's only for eight women. It's called Unravel. So it's all about unraveling into your fullest expression and becoming the embodiment of your truth. So we do, it's a deep, deep, deep dive for eight women. It's a four month program. We go through many different aspects. You're going to come in one person and you're going to walk out an unraveled, expanded, up-leveled version of yourself. And so if you would like to learn more about that, go to my Instagram page and all the links are in my bio. And I vouch completely for Amy. I've been working with her in Elementum. She's amazing, amazing woman, very, very talented coach. So go check it out for sure. Amy, thank you. Keep doing your good work. Really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yo, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. What a wonderful woman Amy Louise Cash is, right? Super vulnerable, really out there. Look, that is a gift. The way that she just just really went through lock, lock, stock, and 10 smoking barrels about her experience with her marriage 
unbelievable, unbelievable. Like I said in the interlude before, you don't have to do this alone, right? You do not have to do this alone. Whether you're in a relationship um, crisis, whether you're in addiction crisis, whether you're in both both of them crisis, right? They're always interlinked. Um, try to do this. You've got a couple of options available to you. Personal coaching. You can either work with me or you can work with Amy Louise Cash, right? You can do that. It will really, really help you tremendously. If you're suffering from addiction, we've got the Strive Method for Addictions course, right? If you want a little bit of help in your relationship, we've got Cultivating Conscious Relationships. If you just want support, we've got the Strive Method, right? Sorry, Strive Community, where you can join on a monthly subscription and get involved in our community. And if you're a man who you really want to show up in your relationships, you really want to show up in your power, your divine masculinity, we have the uh, Wildman Project, all right? If you want to know more about all of those wonderful opportunities, email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. I want to thank you for subscribing. I want to thank you for listening. If you have the time, go and rate and review this podcast. I really appreciate it. And most importantly, tell somebody else about it. Okay. You can save someone's life today. Take care. Love you all. Mm -hmm.